The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Me and my best friend used to do that when we were little. We used to go, can I have another one of those yummy ice blocks to her parents? And you know what? Worked every time. Tere katoa, welcome to Gone By Lunchtime. It's Wednesday today, um, according to several highly placed sources, it's Wednesday early afternoon. I heard that it? too, I heard that. Uh, because uh, for reasons, it's very boring to explain the reasons, but we couldn't do it yesterday on Tuesday morning. So here we are, the weekly edition of Gone By Lunchtime. Kia ora Annabelle Lemather. Kia ora Toby. Kia ora Bess. And most importantly, a big shout out, which we uh, feel is important to do as part of the co-pupper of the podcast every week, a big shout out to the bad boys of Brexit. Uh, love you, bad boys. Thank you. Uh, you're listening, the bad boys of Brexit, the soy boys of Brexit. Some amazing. out in the local Tory tea room, well, it's being been, overheard. I mean, Winston Peters has been banging out the tweets lately. Here I am at St Luke's. Here I am at Sylvia Park. With some really alarmed-looking Indian family. <laughs> like, who is this man cowering behind me that taking these photos? This is the sort of shit you get with the bad boys of Brexit. You don't know how many dimensions of chess are being played here, mm. ladies and gentlemen. Just um, mayhem. Uh, big shout-out to Flick Electric. Huge shout-out to spin-off members who keep this high-level analysis uh, ticking over. Um, and also, before we get into it, I want to invite Gone By Lunchtime listeners to subscribe to our new podcast, Conversations That Count. Nga kōrero whaitake, hosted by Stacey Morrison, who is... Oh, she's my favourite. One of the great New Zealanders, I think we all agreed. agreed? Absolutely. Um, and I met Stacey Morrison when I was a 20-year-old. Uh-huh. in a green room for yep. one of those 7pm shows and I was about to get roasted on air. Yeah. And um, she was really nice to me. Wow. So I'm going to be subscribing. Mm-hmm. Um, me too. She's going to be discussing the ideas, it says here, that are shaping the future of Aotearoa. Produced in partnership with Massey University, the first episode looks at equity and equality in New Zealand's education system. And next month, what a successful legal cannabis system would look like. Subscribe to that, subscribe to this. We're doing quite well in the um, in the old uh, podcast charts lately. We're like the 19th most popular podcast in New Zealand. It went up to 10th briefly. I mean, we're not like hitting the highs. But That's my, pretty high. My view on it is that... that we're now getting into the territory of the true crime pro- podcasts. Mm. And if we could do just like one little murder, just 
I, I noticed that Tina's not here today. Hi, Hello, Alice. Alice, Alice Wibberdow, wonderful to have you back in the um, in the seat. How are you? I'm really well, thanks. Seen, yeah, seen, feeling great. Seen Tina Tiller around? Uh, or is it a mystery? No comment. And we'll return now. What we do is we return to Alice in another episode. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tease it out. Tease it out. That's how, how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, after some pretty frenetic weeks in New Zealand politics, it feels like things have settled down a little bit. Maybe there was a story in the newspapers over the weekend uh, about pe- people getting cross. I think Judith Collins, who I think is currently the leader of the National Party, was cross, and other people were cross about their hoardings being knocked down. People are knocking down billboards. And you felt like, yes, this is it. This is the kind of, this is the true spirit of an ordinary New Zealand election. Mm. I love the creativity that hoardings seem to invoke in young New Zealanders, Mm. like a wonderful array of moustaches and pimped up slogans and it's like Christmas for me. I feel more excited about what how people deface mm. um, you know, hoardings and mm. than I do when I see a Christmas tree. And it's a tree. bit retro. You know, in this day of Instagram and Photoshop, mm. you can take the easy way out like that new conservatives candidate who <laughs> MS painted he didn't racial it. abuse someone, towards someone himself on his it, own. The, and it still had the cursor on the picture. <laughs> and, that was good. And, you know, getting out into facing billboards is old-fashioned, fresh air, mm. exercise. Mm. It's actually quite hard to take down one of those hoardings. Mm. Is it? Which Allegedly. Look, mm. like, no... <laughs> Just this is a look, really look, look at, all a, of your haters are going to love lot this. Of, a lot of us have William Wood-esque skeletons in our closets from our youth. We did have a poll that came out uh, last week um, that followed the the rogue poll, as it was labelled by Jerry Brownlee and Co. And that was the Colmar Brunton poll for One News, and that told us it was it was a poll that was presented in some places as a as a, a good news for National, which is an amazing thought that a poll that put Labour on 53% should be good news for, for National, given it shows you how quickly things turn around in New Zealand politics. But it was 53% for Labour, 32% for National, who had been, what had they been? They were 25% in the, in the News Hub poll. In the News Hub read poll. And yeah. they were 38% in the previous Colmar Brunton poll, which right. was taken with Todd Muller. Yes, so a thousand years ago. Yes, yes. Um, so, so, so a drop from thirty-eight to thirty-two. Um, excuse me. The Greens on five, Act on four point eight, which was rounded up to five. Which again is, I mean, it's impressive. It's kind of, you know, that's. I mean, that's how many MPs is that? Six, six, six. Is that's which? Which, by my calculations, is six times as many MPs as they have right currently. Now. Mm. Yeah, well, mm. once you go from a one MP party to a six MP party, you start getting into the real danger zone on the list. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a bit of a kind of, does anybody know who this guy Dave is? Oh, they're all called Dave, I suppose. Really? I, th- I think there'll be, there'll be a lot of um, checking old Facebook feeds. and. Oh, yes. It's like when United Future won the worm and there were all those, like, super random people oh, in Parliament yeah. and nobody yeah. knew yeah. who they were or the even one. bothered to remember their name. They there left Parliament and were out. like, bye thingy, see ya. Uncle, what's your name? <laughs> Why? There was one who turned out not to be eligible to stand for Parliament. <laughs> <laughs> there, there were a variety mm. of sort of fake doctorates. <laughs> the, the best one was actually um, Gordon Copeland, who stuck around uh, a bit longer, even after the next election, who wrote an autobiography about his journey of faith. Mm. Um and talked about how he and the woman who later became his wife travelled around England healing people with the power of God, um, including people with facial deformities. And, mm. uh, and and there's one particularly exciting chapter where he's beset by evil spirits uh, next to a pool in Thailand at a holiday resort. I was talking to a, a former MP about this that. This true crime book came podcast out. is getting and, uh, by the moment. And he said... Yeah, I've I've been to Thailand. I think I was attacked by the same evil spirits. Wow. <laughs> um, why are Act doing well? We've talked about this probably already, so we don't need to uh, go over it too much. But the the they've managed to get on board a group of people who might have gravitated towards New Zealand first, probably before who are interested in the gun reforms or unhappy with the gun reforms. There are disaffected national supporters, but also, and I think I heard Trish Sherson talk about this, which, which, which I think she made a good point that there is an extent to which David Seymour has actually been a very good opposition MP. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're when you're watching <coughs> the House, just sort of general debate in the House, the the the, the or sorry, debate around bills in the House, he seems as well informed as very often the national um, MPs are. And it seems to me that probably we haven't given him enough credit for that. Um, we've also got the euthanasia referendum, which he's got, mm. you know, everyone who's passionate about that issue, which is a lot of people for whom it's affected personally, have presumably moved towards him. But also that point, you remember when it was the, when Labour were in, in, in disarray mm. and uh, Metzadea Tude and Russell Norman were on fire and they at a certain point started to take it on the mantle of the opposition, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. being quicker out yeah. of the traps, being more effective. And mm. from time to time, I wonder if David Seymour There's Seymour's... shades of that. Can I say, I think this is a rogue poll because it completely oh. disproves my theory oh. from about two weeks ago that, mm-hmm. that Judith was going to hurt ACT, mm. that people were going, that she was going to bleed support from mm. ACT. So I, too, like Jerry Brownlee, mm-hmm. <clears throat> believe, well, his, he thought the other one was. I think this one is, in fact, the rogue poll. Mm. And can I say, I think the other reason why his popularity has started to creep up is because we've had breathing space between Dancing with the Stars and when we're at now and so some of those images have started to be expunged from our memories and we are actually seeing him more as a credible politician as a result of a couple of big issues such as um, the euthanasia bill and the firearms bill. Was it when you were working with David um, Ben Thomas that the that you the twerking strategy was that one of your suggestions? The twerking was after the twenty seventeen election, wasn't it? I believe it was. Yeah. <clears throat> well, if they 
keep at their current trajectory, yeah. that will mean that ACT lifts its vote by at least a factor of two to three times after the leader appears on Dancing with the Stars. Mm-hmm. Dancing with the Stars kickstarted Rodney Hyde from a two MP party in 2005 to a caucus of five mm-hmm. in 2008. Here we're seeing similar effects. So actually, Dancing with the Stars can probably take a lot of the credit in the sense that it raises profile. People suddenly know who this guy is. Are you making so, a serious mm-hmm. point now? I'm, I'm making a serious okay. point. Seymour C- had incredibly low name recognition back mm. in 2017. Um, as befits, you know, a sort of anonymous quasi-member of the government support party with one one person. Now he is a bit of a celebrity politician, but as you say, also a very strong performer. So what it means is he gets those opportunities in the media that he may not that he he couldn't really have in government so much, or as a supporter to government. And he does acquit himself well. You know, he's very articulate. He's across all the policies, um, and so yeah, I mean, you know, he's. He, and and he he uh, what's what's a good way of expressing it? Twerking for families. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know you know there's there's a, there's a reasonable argument that you know per capita act as the best party in parliament. You know in terms of the performance of its MPs on average. Um, so there's you know and and the other thing is you know the conservatives. You know there is that there is that. Um, kind of conservative vote that, you know, got up to 4% for Colin Craig back in 2014. Mm. That doesn't really have a home now. The mm. new cons are kind of insane. All these new Billy Takaha parties are uh, you know, pretty pretty insane as well. Um, you know, that it is a home for the kind of harder right but not crazy <laughs> You know, or not completely crazy um, people who are looking for a sort of more hard-edged version of mm-hmm. national, and I think that's more the pool they're playing in than actually the national vote itself. Uh, meanwhile, the Greens are on five percent as well, and one wonders whether or not. I sort of half expected that recent polling, and maybe that's yet to come, might see some Labour voters jump ship for the Greens, or at least some of those voters who were Green voters under the Mitsudia years, Mm. go back. I totally thought the same thing. Um, So again, this is a rogue poll. It's a rogue poll. Because it doesn't necessarily chime with our views. Mm. Because it only has National at 32% and 25% instead of 25%. Mm. It's not technically a rogue poll, it's more just a minor jerk poll. (laughs) Hello there, Simon Pound here from another spin-off podcast with a little bit of cross-promo for you. If you might be into the stories of Aotearoa's most interesting entrepreneurs and innovators, you might like to check out Business is Boring, the podcast I host that reckons it's anything. But if that sounds like a bit of you, it's available through the spin-off or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. Hey, if you love the spin-off, the best way to show it is to become part of the spin-off members. It's fun that helps keep us free and accessible to all without a paywall, and it funds some of our most important and respected journalism. Good. The 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 the, the election is on September nineteenth, but one month from today, uh, voting begins, 
advanced voting opens one month from today on September the 4th and if recent elections or anything to go by that is that is the part of the you know I think it was roughly 50% of votes were cast in the advance vote period mm. last year and uh, last last election rather so it's kind of interesting in terms of the way that the elections play out now increasingly the 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 <coughs> the, the action sort of will happen really kick on from about a fortnight from now. Uh, we've seen also with the end of Parliament this week, the, the Parliament rises, the valedictory season's been happening. We've seen speeches from, really interesting one from Ian Lees Galloway yesterday, who mm-hmm. returned to Parliament um, and uh, said basically said he had to go. Um, uh, and then gave quite an interesting speech, Claire Curran and uh Sort of repeated her charges um, against the media. Sarah Dowie gave an interesting speech, which was pretty uh, amazing in parts um, last week. But also, we had one of the things that I think was noticeable when you saw those the speeches last week was from the National Party. You had Paula Bennett, Nikki Kay, and Amy Adams all in the space of a couple of days giving their valedictory speeches. All 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 very good speeches, I think. Um, but those three women between them uh, represent a large senior chunk of the liberal mm. wing, liberal <coughs> tendency, shall we say, within the the National Party caucus. Um, all have you know a lot of experience there between between the three of them, and and so talking to a few. I was down in Wellington for a spin-off event, and so talking to a few people around the traps, there is. A question about what it means for the National Party in terms of that, <coughs> what they like to call the broad church. Simon Bridges talked about it in the, the his conversation with Daniel McLaughlin that we hosted in Wellington, which you can watch online. I think we put it up on this feed as well. Uh, ben, in terms of your view of the National Party, there's Chris Bishop and Nicola Willis are flying the Liberal flag. Is there a is there a, a real risk of a kind of religious conservative? Um, uh, part of the party gaining a disproportionate sway? The short answer to that is yes. A lot of electorates over the past few terms have seen retirements where relatively liberal MPs, John Key, Morris Williamson, uh, are replaced by more religiously conservative MPs, Chris Pink, Simeon Brown, respectively. Simon O'Connor's got a mortgage on the Tamaki electorate, which he'll, you know, he'll have forever. He'll die somewhere in that electorate at some point, uh, which will increase our ratings when we <laughs> get on the case. Um, but there are, you know, Christopher Luxon, who has all of these sort of big raps seemingly mostly coming from the Christopher Luxon camp itself about his potential as a future leader. He's um, He's got, uh, you know, very conservative Christian views. And that's a strain that hasn't really showed up in National too much over the past couple of decades, which isn't to say that conservatism hasn't been strong in the National Party. Mm. I think I, I remember totalling it up and about six out of the ten front bench of the John Key first term were Catholics. Mm. But that's that's quite different from the more sort of um, severe social conservatism, I think, mm. that some of these new recruits represent. And this doesn't mean that, you know, they're all terrible, you know, people trying to usher in a theocracy or anything. You know, on the whole, they're, they're all 
very good MPs. Chris Pink is is a very good MP, um, but they they do represent sort of an imbalance in that kind of liberal conservative. Um, what's the word? Kind of you know guardians at the gateway, the two equal and opposite forces within mm. national, and. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, recruitment plays a really important part and these things happen sort of piecemeal over time. You know, one person will be elected in one electorate and then after a while you see that there's this kind of, um, this broad trend, mm. um, which I, is probably not too helpful, I think, for national. It's kind of interesting because I think it also shows that there's recognition that um, that conservative Christian parties um, tend to implode for whatever reason and probably if um, people from that part of the conservative wing of New Zealand want representation in parliament that the the easiest, most effective way to get there is through the National Party but again, as we've already talked about that's sort of changing the, the, the makeup and the culture of of what the traditional net party looked a bit looked like and the issues that they cared about the most. We've seen some of this play out perhaps in Auckland Central, which is a fascinating contest for a number of reasons, which we'll get to. But uh, the selection process has been delayed to the extent that it will now uh, there won't be a national party candidate to replace Nikki Kay announced until after the first debate in the electorate. Um, what's your insight into the Auckland Central selection process, Annabelle? I don't know very much about um, the details of what's happened there, but um, but I do think that Auckland Central is going to be one of the most interesting electorates to watch during the 2020 election campaign because, um, you know, traditionally it was a, it's always been a, a Labour seat. Was held for my mum briefly. Except, yeah. First Māori woman. Won. Yes, Sandra Full disclosure. Won. Was she, I can't remind me, was she National Party? I don't. Yeah, <laughs> she was, she was in the Nats. And, the um, <laughs> and I, I think at that point, as she says, it had sort of become a anybody but preble situation. So she, <laughs> oh, really? she was able to win right. in 1993. So it's always had like left wing roots, but. Um, there has been a lot of gentrification, you know, throughout that electorate in places like Ponsonby and Grey Lynn. And Nikki held it by the slimmest of margins. But again, she was a, you know, a, a very liberal, modern wahine with, um, you know, strong conservational values. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see whether or not it flips back over to Labour. Um, if Chloe will splinter the vote and push it back towards national, mm. or if we see Tuariki Delamere, who is standing for top, oh. break through the centre and um, return back to parliament. You just and also actually another Maori running in that seat too, or who at least contested it last time, Jenny Marcroft. So or, it's all on for young and old. Or Vernon Tava. I believe oh, he's Auckland, also ah, Auckland Central, yes. so there's a lot to... I think he could come through the middle. A lot um, going on. For people who aren't up to speed, the, the, um, uh, Annabelle's mum is Sandra Lee, of course, one of 
the um, most formidable MPs of the of the what what period was she in the house? She um, went in in ninety three and retired at the two thousand and two election. After being Minister of Conservation, um, Associate Minister of Māori Affairs, Minister of Local Government, and ah. Minister of Conservation. Um, and uh, Ben Thomas is, uh, of course, the son of Mark Thomas, the long-standing um, National Party candidate for many things, who isn't standing in Auckland Central, though you thought he was for a minute, I didn't thought you? he was, because there was a candidate called Rob Thomas, and who's another apparently perennial sort of <laughs> gadfly around Auckland local body Tory politics. I mean, and, the, you know, these people didn't do their party any favours, so there was a procedural irregularity. The party board was meant to have selected five, five people mm. to go through to the final selection. They only put two forward. These three has-beens or never-wers or whatever protested, and so it's been held up again. The important thing is just that they get somebody in there quickly to try and you know, be Nikki K 2.0, in mm. which case their best bet is Emma Mello, who's one of the two who was one of the two who were put up originally by mm. the board, who was essentially just a sort of a new version of Nikki. It feels um, like a bit of a storm in the teacup, although I do, I totally accept the other three candidates, you know, concerned, because obviously Pākehā men are really underrepresented in Parliament. <laughs> and, you know, the two candidates that have been put forward, one is a young Sri Lankan woman, another one a wahine Pākehā and... I mean, we just have to create these spaces for Pākehā men to have their voices heard. I think it's a bit unfair, but anyway. Thank you for thank you for um, your, for your allyship allyship on that one. You're welcome. I appreciate it. Um, the other part of the equation, of course, is that you touched on the Helen White versus Chloe Swarbrick thing, which is kind of mm. interesting and. Uh, Obviously, a lot of people in 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 Labour Auckland Central, uh, what's the technical term? Deeply fucked off <laughs> with <laughs> Chloe and the Greens for for sticking their head up um, because you know they their their argument and is to point to the numbers and the numbers are clear that it, that Helen White was narrowly defeated by Nikki Kay in 2017. Denise Roche came in. A distant third, um, <coughs> although between them, Labour and the Greens, uh, between them, Helen White and Denise Roche had enough votes that would have beaten Nikki Kay. So their argument is, why? What, what is the? What is the? What are, all you're going to do is split the vote. This is deeply unhelpful. This is a betrayal of the cause of the left. We are all set to go. And then saying some dumb things like calling Chloe Swarbrick a celebrity, which is exactly what Team Chloe want to hear, because then they can paint, not without some evidence. The Labour camp is seeming sort of uh, entitled. I mean, Labour are right. You know, mm. if if the goal was for a united left bloc to wrest Auckland Central away from the evil Tories and bring it back home to, you know, uh, the, the Labour-Green coalition, then that would be the correct approach. Equally, could you apply that argument, could the Greens apply that argument to Labour in somewhere like Tamaki Makoto, whereby, you know, Marama would get a safe run 
and pair knee stand down. Yeah. I mean, if that's what they want in Auckland Central do a quid, with the Greens. A quid, a quid pro quo. Hmm. I mean, there Donald it would Trump only make sense if the goal was to rest Tamaki Makoto away from Pini. No, but it'd be, it'd be, no, it'd be more about making sure the Greens got back into Parliament, do it, do it, especially do it. when their polling is yeah. so marginal. Yeah, look, it, strategic voting is very hard to organise in, in actual fact. You know, the the times that you can remember it actually working were Jim Bolger slitting the throat of my distant relative Mark Thomas in 1996 in <laughs> Auckland Central <laughs> to give Richard Preble a way back into Parliament after... <laughs> After Sandra, oh. after Annabelle's family dispossessed him, the f- <laughs> made him a political refugee. Um, the film campaign is available to watch on New Zealand on screen if you haven't. It's glorious. Uh, the Greens, Jeanette Fitzsimons and Coromandel mm. in 1999, I think. Oh, with, with the Alliance. No, when, when was it? 2002, 99? Cut that in editing. Insert, insert a man's voice saying what a, the what right a, date. What a, um <laughs> And obviously, act David Seymour, but people and forget that Northland act- by election. I mean, it wasn't quite the same, but it was mm. the same. It was the it, in, in 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 practice, it was the same thing. Yeah, the Northland by election wouldn't have happened. Yeah. The people forget about act in the sweetheart deal in Epsom or mm. the dirty deal, depending on how you describe it, is Rodney Hyde actually won that seat off Richard Worth in two thousand and five. Richard Worth did not want to give up his plum seat in the Epsom electorate. And there was no real deal made. Um, you know, since then, there's been an understanding that National just leaves it to act to keep them in Parliament. But that was not how the seat was actually won initially. Um, I think with, you know, in, unless you actually had the Greens teetering on the brink and, you know, an actual word from Jacinda Ardern on high saying vote for Chloe Swarbrick. Even then, it's not clear that, you know, you might have some Labour voters who went over to National or something. It's it's quite a hard one to organise. You know, Rodney Hyde had been very, very close to beating Richard Worth prior to... So you're right. So the pieces need to be in place, right? You can't can't engineer it from central office. Mm. But I think the pieces could be in play. I mean, the... The, the the Greens are on 5% in the latest mm. reliable poll. Labour are comfortable in the latest poll, That's governing right. alone in the... Co- co- mm. You know, it's not another yeah, question. exactly. The, the thing, though, is, like, I just... You know, MMP shouldn't be about doing side deals. It's supposed to be about, you know, better representation, more representation. If you want to contest a seat, contest it and let the people decide. I just think that it's transparent and more democratic rather than doing side hustles. Annabelle, you took you mentioned Tamaki Makoto, which mm. is uh, one of seven Māori seats. Mm-hmm. Um, you, as executive producer of the Hui, what are you doing this year? Are you going to have – can you talk about that, what deba- the yes. debates you're planning? Oh, thank you, Uncle Toby. Wonderful opportunity to promote our programme. Yes, in fact, we are having um, live debates for all seven of the Māori electorates, which will be streamed via News Hub live on Tuesday nights and Wednesday nights starting on August 25th, replayed on television during the week with probably a little highlights package on the Hui on Sunday. Mm. Um, We'll have little VTs from the electorate 
um, to find out, you know, the big issues on people's minds coming into the election. And um, we'll also look back at some of the stories we've covered in the Māori electorates and ask the candidates what their thoughts or solutions would be. And, and you won't need that many podiums, will you, given the number of crazy. people putting their hands up? It's crazy. Uh, literally in um, Hauraki Waikato, there were just three candidates, and now we found out that there's only two because the person who was contesting it for one party mm. um, apparently has been directed to stand for Hamilton East. And I noticed on the website today that Stephanie Harawira, who was contesting Te Taitokiro for one party, has also withdrawn out of that right. electorate. So it's really Billy unusual. TK is standing in Te Taitokiro. Billy TK standing in Te Taitokiro. There's a, a, a party called the Outdoors Party that have a couple of candidates. But I... Uh, Obviously, mana have gone, mm. but bizarrely, for reasons I can't fathom, the Greens aren't standing in all of the Māori electorates. They're only standing in Tamaki Makoto, um, Ikaroa Rāwhiti, and I understand Te Taitunga, and nothing in the other Māori seats, which just seems bizarre if you believe... Mm. And the notion of Māori seats and Māori representation, that after being in Parliament for 25 years, you wouldn't stand candidates in the Māori seats, I don't know. And Labour currently has a clean sweep on those seats. Um, I wouldn't... Which is the most, this time round, Teto Haaru is is, uh, up for grabs in a big way with Debbie Ngāruapaka. It's quite a narrow majority that... Well, Adrian I think um, has. yeah, Adrian has a, a fairly narrow. Well, he does. He has a narrow majority. The thing too for Adrian is that he hasn't developed a strong national profile. Although I'm told that he is a great electorate MP, that he's well loved in his electorate. Debbie is a formidable. Candidate, She has a huge profile in her electorate. She's developed a strong national profile over the last few months. She speaks out on a range of issues, conservation, COVID, real mana whenua, environment, everything. But I think what makes her a real threat is that she has a history in local body politics. So there is already a practice within that rohe of people ticking next to her name. So Hmm. I think probably, you know, everyone's saying it'll be a safe run for Labour, and I think by and large it will. But if there's one seat that's marginal, I definitely think it's um, Te Tai Hauauru. What do you think, Ben? Is there anything else in in play, do you think, in the Māori seats? I mean, Tamaki Makoto could be... An interesting one, right? Like, I mean, the, in terms of the... Well, there's, you know, like, with candidates... With John with, yeah, yeah. It'll be a noisy it's, one. It's got a lot of... Right. It'll be noisy. Right. There's, like, can, um, you know, candidate... All the candidates are, you know, high high profile. John Tamahiri, um, Penny Henare and Marama Davidson mm. are all, you know, very credible politicians. You know, the debates will be will be pretty interesting to watch. Um yeah, sorry. 
Annabelle just raised her eyes in well, alarm no, when I said no, credible. No, no. I th- what I mean is cre- credible <laughs> practitioners of politics. Yeah. You know, the, these guys are heavyweights. Mm. Um, yeah. <clears throat> they are, but, but it's been a long time since JT was actually won an election. Um, so I think that, um, that yeah, while all of those candidates have high profiles, if there's a seat that you really want to keep your eyes on, that really could be at risk of, of tipping over. It would it would be Te Tai um, Let's round off with uh, the Burnham Inquiry, just to touch on it briefly, because really, it's quite a, quite, a, quite a big story that broke on Friday last week, which was the... Uh, uh, was it, it was a royal commission, right? Was it called a royal commission? Gosh, that was an inquiry. It was an inquiry. But Jeffrey Palmer, your your fave, um, Ben Thomas was on there, and 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 it was it was it was pretty thorough investigation into claims around the raid by SAS raid in Afghanistan that was made public by the book by the journalist John Stevenson and Nikki Hager called hit and run, and the findings were interesting in that they. They they judged that the SAS had behaved properly on the ground. Um, they also judged that there hadn't been, by in their terms, a cover up. But for all that, it was there were some pretty troubling and serious um, conclusions that were reached in terms of the way that the information in the NZDF was uh, sent up the chain in terms of Wayne Maps apparent memory lapse. Um, Annabelle, you had a connection to the story going some years back to when you were on Native Affairs on Mighty TV. Yeah, that's right. In 2014, we were approached by John um, about the story Mm. and we we supported him to go back up to Afghanistan with... um, Jake Bryant, an incredible cameraman, and um, and we put to air, I think it was a two-part special on Native Affairs about mm. um, about what had happened up there where John um, spoke to the villagers who were there that night and gave first-hand accounts of what happened, including the death of a, of a little preschooler called Fatima, um, who they say had been killed... Um, in the operation which was looking for insurgents who I believe weren't in the village that night. Mm. And um, obviously the New Zealand Defence Force was saying that it didn't happen and it wasn't true. And um, Ben, the inquiry essentially found that, you know, in typical fog of war fashion, a lot of the claims in the book weren't right. Um, including the identities of the villagers and you know people who may or may not have been killed, but that you know, <laughs> but this extended both ways, and that the information that had mm. been provided mm. uh, by the military was also very, very deficient. Yeah. Which is so it was very good that there was an inquiry called and, and shows the need for independent oversight. Absolutely, yeah, as per the recommendations mm. of the report, you know we saw how the security intelligence services really upped their game since having that level of oversight. Um, you know, it's far less law breaking, <laughs> and, uh, and for the New Zealand Defence Force to 
uh, I mean, you know, notwithstanding the fact that there was no cover up, and according to the the the, the inquiry, that the uh, references to civilians having likely been killed were removed from briefings as they went up the chain, is <coughs> seriously shocking. And <coughs> excuse me, uh, David Parker, the Attorney General, you know, paid tribute to to uh, Hager and Stevenson for creating the book. And I think, I mean, to my mind, while yes, you can say that there were um, there were parts of the parts of the book that weren't borne out by the inquiry, the standard to which they should be held is different to the standard to Absolutely. which the people who are in charge of mm. the armed forces of our country oh, should yeah, be held. Of course, 100%. The yeah. most important elements of the story were true, which is that civilians died mm. and the New Zealand, New Zealand Defence Force didn't come clean about it and while some of the finer details like the exact pinpointing of the village or those sorts of things may have been incorrect, the most important stuff, the stuff that really matters, um, was true. Um, so that's us. We've Ben's actually doing, rattled Ben's doing through. Archie eyebrows at me. He's doing Archie eyebrows at you. Let's let's let's. Is there, I feel like that's quite. Bring a, that's that quite eyebrow here, on, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a brighter note. With uh, if you borrow Judith yeah. Collins' eyebrows this afternoon, yeah, what's the deal? I've, I've, I've got a signed actually. copy of Hidden Run. Do you want it? <laughs> No, you hate it. Keep your sign. I've got my own sign copy. I'm in the forward side. Very very good. Well done, everyone. Best behaviour. Terrific. Thank you very much, Alice, for sitting in today with us. Thank you, Annabelle. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, members. Thank you. Uh, Bad Boys Brexit, mostly. Love you. Mm. Bye. Kia ora e te iwi, te ai he Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.